Our reading this morning comes from Romans chapter 12 and we're going to be reading the whole chapter and um, certain parts of that Katie's already shared with us in the children's talk this morning. Romans 12 starting at verse 1. Therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So far the reading. Thank you, John. 
Well, before we have a look at what um, these words um, that Paul has written down in Romans um, have to say, let us come to God just quickly and, and pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are with us at all times and constantly watch over us. Bless us this morning as we look at what your servant Paul wrote, that they may become clear to us. May your spirit work in our hearts to grow us to love you and those around us more and to help, and help us to apply them as we uh, look into this year of 2022. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, when I was little and went out to, to Sunday school, uh, one of the, our teacher was quite a keen musician. Um, seemed a bit of a prerequisite when I was um, going out to Sunday school that you had to be able to play the guitar. Uh, that's just what they seemed to do when I was a kid. And they liked to teach us songs. And one of these songs was Bullfrogs and Butterflies. Does anyone know of that song? No? That's okay. Um, the chorus said, Bullfrogs and Butterflies, we've both been born again. I do that, you know, turn from caterpillars to butterflies and all that. Um, it was a pretty, it was a light-hearted song about being born again and I guess that the idea how the gospel changes you. Um, the other day I, I googled the rest of the lyrics and th there's actually not that much really to the song. It doesn't actually tell you a huge amount uh, about the gospel, but it was a good little song and it was, it was nice and catchy. Um, and it goes on with descriptions of tadpoles and caterpillars, uh, but nothing about what the, how the gospel transforms us, what from and into. And that's what this passage from Romans 12 um, gives us about. It's about living as a transformed people, as a transformed church. The Apostle Paul goes into detail about what it means to be a people changed by the gospel of God's mercy and serving other people because of this mercy. As we as a church move into 2022, we need to be asking ourselves the question of how we, here in Olveston, are living as a transformed people and how we are actively serving each other. Last week Julian left us with the comforting words from Colossians written also by the Apostle Paul and encouraging us that we have everything that we need to follow God and to serve him and to serve each other. So today I'll be looking at different sections of chapter 12 that we looked at and highlighting different aspects to apply to our church and how we can put into action what Julian preached about last week. And I'll be spending a bit of time unpacking the first few verses of chapter 12 and then kind of skimming across the rest of the chapter to highlight some of what Paul has been teaching about. Before we start looking at those passages though, it's worth having a look at the, the context of this letter. It's always good to be able to understand the context of the passage from scripture that you're reading. So the Apostle Paul, who is probably likely based in Corinth at this time, uh, after completing missionary trips, uh, is writing about 30 years after the ascension of Jesus. Paul would be writing to a predominantly um, Gentile uh, audience to the church in Rome, a city which was reasonably hostile to the church. And Paul is eager to visit Rome and sends this letter ahead of him with a bit of an outline of the gospel and salvation through Jesus. Um, the letter to the Romans isn't always the easiest of letters to read, particularly the second half. Uh, many Bible studies, if you read them, they're usually just the first few chapters and then kind of stop from there because the second half gets a bit harder uh, with quite a few big ideas going on. But in many ways, it's a very simple letter outlining the mercies of God and how through God's mercy in Christ, we are rescued 
and adopted into the inheritance of eternity. But now in this passage that we're looking at, Paul moves directly into what this means for your life, what it means to apply this salvation and live it out as a transformed people. So Paul begins chapter 12 with these words, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Paul uses imagery from the Old Testament of the sacrificial system, of being sacrificial offerings to God. We are to give ourselves to God, no longer as dead animals at the temple, but living out our lives to be holy for God. And Paul goes on to say that we are not to conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How is it that you are to be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. In response to God's mercies, we are to renew our mind, the way we think and the way that we understand. And why do we need to do this? As verse 2 goes on to say, then you will be able to attest, to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. The Bible tells us and uh, describes to us that the mind is an important thing. That what we think and fill our minds with shapes who we are and what we do. It is easy for our mind to become filled with things we shouldn't fill it with and be shaped by how we don't want them to be. I mean, it's very easy to see the way the world tries to shape our mind. If I say to you, I bought a... Oh, no one knows that. Okay, that joke didn't work. I bought a... The car ad? Jeep? No one's heard that ad before? Okay, that illustration did not work. Never mind. Anyway, but it's very easy to see how our world tries and fills our mind uh, with things to achieve their own purposes. So what are we transforming our mind from and how do we renew our mind? As verse 2 says, not by conforming to the pattern of this world. Christians are called to be different from the rest of the world. You and I, the church, are to stand out as radically different from the way the rest of the world works. We are not to think the way the world thinks. Paul has spent the previous chapters in this letter teaching the church in Rome about how God works and his good plan through Jesus. Well, what does the world teach us and what does it think? What is the message, particularly, of the world today? Well, the message of the world is about self. The message of the world is about self. The world says that you, how you feel, your rights and entitlements, what you want, is the most important thing in the world. Self-gratification is the most important thing. Though the world would probably use the expression self-fulfilment. Our media is constantly broadcasting the message of taking care of yourselves before others. It's a message, an idea which captivates people and shapes our culture and worldview. It has become the water that society swims in. This is not to say that every single person is a greedy goblin uh, who doesn't care about others. But it does seem to be the natural inclination of people 
to care more about the good of self rather than the good of others. We've seen this particularly last year uh, with panic buying. It was incredible watching the news uh, with supermarkets and shops as people rushed to buy packets of toilet paper, uh, sometimes even getting violently. Uh, looking after self was the most important thing to do. It didn't matter how you treated others. Uh, I can remember when I was a child and we went to Universal Studios uh, up in, on the Gold Coast in Queensland on a family holiday. Uh, and the film Titanic had, it was a fairly recent uh, movie and they had a bit of a, a Titanic experience that you could go. Has anyone been to Universal Students and been on that Titanic experience? I don't know if it's still there or not. No, that's where I can tell you whatever I like about it and no one will know the difference. Uh, so every, anyway, for this experience, um, everyone started like boarding the Titanic and entering into the represented lower decks of the ship. They kind of get everyone excited. Yeah, we're going on the Titanic. It isn't this wonderful. When all of a sudden you get struck by the iceberg and the walls kind of like all water's flowing in and you can see through the portholes the iceberg going past and stuff and everyone's screaming and stuff. Uh, and the tour guide, who was kind of meant to be like a crew member, they're all dressed up in costume, uh, was quickly guiding everyone, oh, let's get out, everyone, quick, escape, escape, getting everyone to the lifeboats. Uh, but as you're going through, they're like, this way, everyone, and I know people have seen the movie, but there's a scene where there's like um, the gate, there's like a gate which is locked, and everyone, they're trapped behind it, trying to get through so they can escape. And that's what happens on this experience. There's a gate locked and we're all going, let us out, let us out, we need to get to the lifeboats. And luckily a passing crew member stops and kindly opens the gate. But what happened next was everyone just flooded their way through it. I'm not trying to mix metaphors there, but everyone just rushed through to get out through this gate, to get to the lifeboats, pushing everyone aside, not caring. You know, the women and children first was definitely not applied here. Uh, especially me as a child, that did not happen. And you've got to bear in mind, this is, this is a ride. It's all fake. Uh, but everyone just in this crazy panic was rushing to get through these gates, uh, forcing themselves through, knocking everyone out of the way. Uh, it, was, it was insane. Um, even though it was fake life and death situation, looking after self rather than others what was definitely driving people that day. But this is not to be the way for the transformed Christian and the transformed church, how it's meant to be. Let's read verses 2 to 5, which say, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of us has a, uh, one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. What is it that God wants for his church? What is God's will for you and me as we meet here in Olverston, Olveston Christian Reformed Church, it's not to think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. We're not to be self-centred, rather we're to be other people 
centred. It can be a bit misleading, though, to read verse 3 as meaning that we kind of should regard other people's skills and attributes as just being greater than ours. Uh, recently, um, so I'm a teacher, so they had the ATAR scores uh, for students uh, from their exams, their university entrance scores are uh, released during the paper, and some students did very, very well across the northwest coast. Um, students uh, are often invited down to Hobart to Government House and they're presented to the Governor to honour their achievement. Now imagine if one of these students, so bear in mind the top score you can get is 99.95, I believe it is. That, I don't know why it's not out of 100, it's complicated, but that's the highest score you can get. Now imagine if a student at, um, is being introduced and presented to Her Excellency uh, and says, I received 99.85 for my score, one of the highest scores you can get. But Freddie here, he received 68.85, which is higher than my score. Like, it's really actually better than what I get. Isn't, isn't Freddie fantastic? You should honour him instead. Well, we know that that's just ridiculous. Like, that's, that's not what Paul is talking about here. We're not, we're not being called to be dishonest with ourselves or to put ourselves down about our skills and the gifts that we've been given, the talents we've received, but rather we are to use these gifts, these skills, to the benefit of others, to be serving others around us in our church. Let me read more of what Paul writes, beginning from verse four, uh, verse 4 again. For just as each of us has one body with many members, uh, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have received different gifts according to the, to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. God has given each of us, has given every one of you, different gifts for service, both to God and to others. And these gifts and talents, skills and attributes, experiences and personal developments are to be used up the, to build up the body of Christ. I think Christians can fall into the trap of believing that you use the gifts and skills that you have to establish yourself, become successful first, then anything kind of left over is used to, to benefit the church. It's not that just the skills that you, uh, that you have to do, that you can't use them to do well at your job, uh, and that to be able to support your family and to do well in life are, are bad. It's not that any of those things are bad. They're good things. But you must be diligent. You must be cautious that your gifts and skills and not viewed as something given solely to benefit you alone. Rather, to build up your brothers and sisters around you. As we move into 2022, we as a church are going to be challenged. And it's going to take each and every one of us to be able to support one another and to continue to uplift each other. It's not to say that uh, the minister is the uh, one who does all the work or that by no longer having a minister around us uh, with us that the walls around us are going to, to crumble. It's not saying that. But it will be a time when we are under pressure, 
and we will look more to others around us for help and support. I've been very grateful and uh, thankful for the way which people have stepped up into roles uh, and taken up responsibilities to be able to lead and grow our church. As much as 2022 will be a challenging year, it also will be, be an opportunity for us to be able to reflect individually and as a church of how we, how you, are being a brother and sister to those around you, showing love and service. How are you living as someone who's been transformed for living, from living for self to living for others? How are we as a church different by looking to the needs of others before looking to the desires of ourselves? Paul lists a number of ways we can look to the needs of others and contribute to the church. It could be leadership, it could be teaching and prophesying. It could simply be by encouraging, taking time to listen to someone who is struggling or going through a tough time and being someone who is supportive with your words. It can be contributing to the needs of others by saying, do you need some help with everything that you've got on going in life? Or I've heard that you're quite unwell. And people may not necessarily know, but I've heard that you've been quite unwell. What do you need? What can I do for you? Never underestimate the power of the small actions that happen behind the scenes, that go unnoticed by many, but by those who have benefited mean so much. How can you be a servant to others? I don't think we're very good in Australia uh, at acknowledging our skills, uh, to say that I'm good at something, I'm, I'm great, I've, I've got a really great skill at that. We're not, we're not very good at doing that in Australia. I think it kind of, it goes against uh, the grain for the Australian psyche to kind of say that out loud. But it's, it's not too bad to say things like, you know, I'm, I'm quite confident to do that sort of job or that skill. I, I feel okay if I need to do that. Uh, or to say, in a situation, if I had to do that, I'd feel confident to do that. We're kind of okay saying those sort of expressions in Australia. It's kind of, go, it's not really against our tall poppy syndrome to use those sorts of expressions instead. So what are the things that come to your mind when you think to yourself, you know, I feel confident to be able to do, or, you know, if I had someone asked me to do this sort of thing, I'd, I'd feel okay to do. What are the things that come to your mind? when you think of those expressions and those words and how much you use those things to be able to serve others. Now, this, this isn't an opportunity um, to be able to guilt you into doing things, uh, to somehow twist your arm. That's not what I'm trying to do. It is simply to say that we need you. We need you. That is one body with different parts. We rely on you and are stronger for having each one of you as part of our church. We also belong to one another. We are interconnected and reliant upon one another. I mean, what a blessing it is to have others around us to care for us when we are sick, to pray for us when we're going through a tough time, uh, and pick up the phone and someone simply says, how are you doing? How are things going for you?
What a blessing it is to have someone bring you a meal when you are, when you are at home and things are a battle. What a blessing it is when someone says, you know, I'll organise that or I'll put that down, I'll do that job for you instead. These are things that we would each want to be blessed by and to receive. So how can you be a blessing to others? As Jesus taught us, to do to others and treat others how we ourselves would want to be treated. This is not to say that things are always easy to do that. Giving of yourself to others is hard work. It can be really hard work at times, putting others before self. It takes a lot of effort to consciously give yourself and your time for the good of others. But Paul doesn't just stop at doing things for others. It's not enough to just do actions or give away things to people around you. Paul says that we are to love those around us as well. In fact, it's a foreign concept in the Bible that you would do something for the needs of others and not be showing love. That deep care and concern for the people around you, to know them and to understand them. This is what Paul writes um, from verses 9 to 13. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your, keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. You may have experienced, uh, hopefully not too often though, uh, if you've ever gone to a shop or a bank or a government service, uh, maybe you've had a teacher or a doctor um, who's spoken to you. And you share what is wrong with your life. You go in with the thing that you, that you need, something that's not right, uh, and that person does not care. Uh, they provide the service to you, they, they give you what you need, they do what they need to do for you, they help you out, they do it with a smile. Um, but you know at the end of the day you're just another customer. You're just a number to that person that they need to get through from nine to five. I mean, it's, it's good that you've been helped um, and that there's someone uh, who's been able to do a service for you. But there's something also a little bit sad that you also know that that person doesn't actually care about you, that they don't know about you. They're not going to uh, be following up on you. And this is not how the church should look. This is, how not, is not how you and I should be. Love is such a driving force in the Bible. It is the reason God sent his son into the world, out of love. Jesus says that love is the divining character of a Christian to those outside the church. John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Love is at the heart of our faith. And just as God has loved us, so we are to love each other. The love that we are to show is a love in action, not just one of pretense or empty words, 
but demonstrated by our actions, the way we treat others. There's a bit of an expression or idea that love is a verb. You're meant to see it in action. Because love isn't stagnant. It isn't a once-off. Love is ongoing, persistent, ceaseless, and perseveres even in hardships. I feel very blessed with the church that I have and my family uh, are at here. The people that we have around us to turn to for support and kindness, but also seeing the sorts of things that people do for one another, the hospitality and compassion that is shown to others. It is done out of a genuine heart and care for the brothers and sisters in our church. I think the picture that Paul paints of how the church uh, is to look is in many ways reflected here at Olveston Reformed Church. And we can give God the glory for that. But of course, it's always good to take stock, to reflect on ourselves as a church and individually of how we are doing with our love and to be challenged. I know that there's something that I need to do with myself regularly. Having others, uh, having things, have things cooled down a little bit maybe for you? And do you need to stoke the coals of your heart for the love for your brothers and sisters? Using some of the descriptors that Paul uses, how is the zeal for love? How is the zeal for your love for putting love into action? If you had to rate yourself out of 10 for the devotion that you show people around you, would you rate yourself well? And what do you need to be doing to move even higher in your love for people? Are there people in the church that uh, you've neglected, that you've not really spoken to very much for quite a while or maybe haven't gotten to know very well at all? Have you spoken to that person across the hall at morning tea to get to know them, to learn about how you can serve and love them? But also to know who it is, who is that person that you're able to serve and love? Because serving, to serve other people you really kind of need to know them, to know what they need so that you can serve them. It's a little bit like um, giving someone a cup of tea or a coffee. You could have uh, the best intention uh, to be able to help someone out and bring them something nice, and I could take up to someone, well, here's your uh, coffee with a lot of milk and two sugars, whereas that person actually likes a black tea with no sugar, thank you. It's It's a lovely intention that you've shown to that person, Um, but you haven't known them to know how to actually show that person love and serve them in a way that would be helpful and caring to that person. People, of course, are much more complex than uh, just a cup of tea or a coffee, though. Uh, So we need to make sure that we know people around us in our church. So maybe make a cup of tea or a coffee for someone in church when we go over for morning tea later and take the opportunity to talk to someone who you've not really spoken to very much and get to know them better because this is what it means to be a transformed church of transformed people that we are actively looking to the needs of those around us that we aren't looking just to ourselves as the world tells us but that we are reflecting God's love shown to us through Jesus by loving one another and desiring their well-being before our own well to conclude 2022 will be a bit of an uncertain one, but as Julian pointed out, we have everything that we need. 
but it will take all of us to face the challenges, jump those hurdles. We're going to need to be patient with each other, understanding of each other, and of course continually show the love of God to one another. I'm confident that we can and we will do that, and that God will use us to continue to be able to reach out to the Olveston area and to be able to do good and to proclaim the good news in love. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you loved us first and that you call us to love our brothers and sisters. Fill us with your spirit to do this and help us to use our gifts and abilities for the betterment of others. Thank you that we can trust in you with all things and that you're always with us. Bless us as we go into this week to be able to put our love into action and service through our words and deeds, be they big or small, seen or unseen. And watch over us as we enter into 2022 and use us to bring you glory. Amen.